think editorializing on interesting facts is sort of like the gist of it. What does factual even mean anyway? I mean, it certainly means different things to different people. We're doing it. Woo! <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So uh, welcome to feature creep colon built in microwave semicolon short short uh ned and meg used to smoke yeah yes right um back in the day when we used to still enjoy cigarettes before the guilt and terror bore into our brains and made us quit smoking yeah i i think this is a funny um topic like i was thinking about um how hard it was to quit when i it's uh, yeah yeah it's horrible. But Quitting you, smoking is so hard. But you have a different take than I do in the sense that you're still like I I can't imagine smoking a cigarette again. It sounds it just makes me fill with dread and disgust. But oh, you seem man. to like be like, yep, no problem. In a perfect world, if cigarettes didn't have negative health consequences, I would be a chain smoker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. I love cigarettes. I just hate how they make me feel. Uh, like long term um so in the short term when i'm smoking one i'm like i feel so much better usually i smoke cigarettes as a stress response too which i think is how lots of people get sucked into them maybe yeah yep absolutely um so like uh, i love cigarettes because from a habitual standpoint or like a mental health standpoint i'm like it's okay it's going to take me about 10 minutes to smoke this cigarette the earth isn't going to burn down in that time whatever problems i have are still going to be waiting when i get back from the cigarette i'm just gonna like check out for the next 10 minutes right plus you get that nice like that sort of leveling off of the nicotine as it sort of like regulates a lot of your like your you know uh brain chemistry yeah your neurochemistry It's like a little dopamine like jolt like yep. you have it's the c- cigarettes are kind of like these little anti-anxiety popsicles where you're just like <laughs> right. I'm just going to pull one of these out and it's like they're so tiny and they're so incremental that you don't necess- if you don't keep your toes keep on your toes it's really hard because it's so incremental to see how far you've come into like your cigarette addiction mm-hmm. so you have to like when was the last time i smoked a cigarette i don't even remember i would guess probably um you'd come to visit me that one time and you were really stressed out about that thing that we were doing together um yes or that we that. were suffering together and you I had, know that I've had you were like i'm gonna then. have a cigarette oh yeah th- you've had one since then um but I but remember yeah, I, you were like, you're like, I'm going to have one. I was like, I don't think that's a good idea. You're like, I just, just the one. And then you had it. And then immediately afterwards, you're like, that was a bad idea. And you were just like, it just wrecked you. Um, yep. I, yeah, that's, I, yeah. that's totally true. Like I, uh, um, uh what was i going to say i don't know i like totally my brain just like totally just, fizzed out oh that's well it's um it's because i haven't had any cigarettes today right. uh, i like i really like um how they just give you this little shot of dopamine and so all of the anxiety that you have about like what's gonna happen i don't know what's gonna happen am i gonna say something stupid what's the next thing that i need to worry about doing what's gonna come after that you like you get this little dopamine injection and you're like it's cool i can handle it whatever it is right right yeah they definitely we're doing yeah. exactly what we're supposed to be doing right now mm-hmm. it's like how that's how dopamine makes you feel like 
you're doing it right. Yeah, like whatever you're doing it is. It exactly right. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, dopamine's really weird like that. Um especially yeah. like if you just get like a flood of it really quick that's like sort of ah! un, un unexpected. Um Yeah. Yeah. I I I think for me like I when I quit smoking it was pretty hard, but then I I was in like my journey to quit smoking was like I quit smoking cigarettes like cold Your turkey. Journey. Yeah, I did a pretty good job. It's a cold job. turkey journey. It was a cold turkey journey. Yeah. And then I um and then I was living in England and I started again. Uh I was working in a phone room. Mm-hmm. Like selling timeshare like awful, right? Like too young to totally know that that's <laughs> oh what I was God. doing. Like they it was such a con. They were like, "Oh, we're doing this survey and like you go into the phone room and you're like cold call people and do this survey that it turns out if they like if they qualify by the survey, as in the survey filters out people who have enough money to like potentially own timeshare or buy it, purchase timeshare. Yes. Then right. if they qualify, then they all win. And I didn't know about that phase. I just knew my job was to like basically collect all the survey data. And, um, <laughs> and then later, you know, I mean, I figured it out pretty quickly. It was just yeah. at the time, like they don't tell you that they're like, Oh, this is like a marketing company. We're doing this, like, you know, voluntary survey. You call them. There's some questions you ask if they, you know, and then you basically answer all the questions on this sheet and then you like file it over here. And, um, I, you could smoke in the you could smoke in the phone room and everybody did and so eventually i just started smoking again because i was like it everyone is smoking around me and then i started having like these gnarly asthma attacks like in the like at you know i i like i'd start to like not be able to breathe very well um holy shit yeah and so i i quit smoking and then i asked (laughs) them to move me into a different room so i ended up like i was the only one like i just sat in this other room by myself um because i just couldn't be in the smoke all the time and that was that was the last time i smoked i was like i'm i can't this is insane it so fucks you up um and you can imagine like going from like no nicotine to just like just hours saturation. of saturation it's just around you all the time like Ick. everything smelled like cigarettes um oh so gross so i like i'm not a huge fan of what nicotine does to like it makes me really jittery like mm-hmm. just like caffeine does yeah and i and i really dislike that really bad you can actually see it in my handwriting like if i have a cigarette and then i try to write something in pen, oh it just like, kind of gets my, all my handwriting's all squiggly uh-huh um so I don't like it's really weird. I like what it does to my neurochemistry. I do not like what it does to me physically. And so for me, smoking has always been this double edged sword of like, uh, like, um, it's useful when you need a boost or like, say, for helping you survive working in a like room selling timeshare all by yourself. Like you can't just do that. That's not something that people can just do and be like, this is working out for me. This is good. Like you need some kind of neurochemical support in order to even just make it through a day in that kind of a setting. So, um, like on one hand, it's a really useful tool. And on the other hand, it's super insidious because it's so so addictive. Like, um, the thing that drives me nuts about cigarettes is that if I have them, like they make me feel shitty enough, honestly, that a lot of times I don't crave them. Like many people that I know who were addicted to cigarettes in a really like significant way would wake up and have to have one. Yeah. And yeah. I like the thought of having a cigarette first thing in the morning has 
always sounded terrible to me, like just mm-hmm. awful. And if somebody around me is like having a cigarette in the morning, I'm like, oh, I can't handle it. So like, I think there's like uh, times at which I, it's useful if I'm really stressed out, if I have to think about really complicated problems, having a cigarette sometimes helps me mm-hmm. sort through it quicker. Yeah. But this, the drop off for like the, there's the benefits and then there's this really steep drop off of diminishing returns when I overutilize that tool. Right. Like, right. Right. Um, it's like, oh, well, now I can't. I mean, even within a day or two of smoking cigarettes, I'm like, oh, I can still feel it. And then I'll get back to normal. Like right now, I think my lung capacity is probably pretty much the same as it's ever been or ever was going to be um, because I've smoked so few cigarettes for such a long time that I'm probably back to like whatever baseline would have been. Yeah. Um, I I find it kind of the other thing about cigarettes is that they they trash your lungs in like one cigarette. Yeah, I can't even make it through a whole cigarette before I'm like, oh, I can feel it. Yeah, I mean the, the so the smoke like burns your alveoli, and it's like, and they the um I can't remember what it is the there's like those cells that that basically clean your lungs like they move they move material like foreign material out yeah, of your yeah. lungs. Um, yeah. That that shit's just trashed. Like yep, it just stops working. It takes like a month or something or longer to like fully recover from one cigarette. And it's like kind of it's kind of fucked up because it's like you don't really think about that just that part of it where it's like you're destroying this mechanism that gets all the garbage, like the dust and shit yeah. out of your lungs. Like yeah. every day. You're you've turned that off, you've broken it, and then you're just dumping more garbage in your lungs every time you have a cigarette. Plus your regular day of walking around in the air, like it's not like we have this like crystal clear air. It's like full of pollen yeah. and other shit. Like and yeah, I don't know. It's it's crud. It, crud. Mm-hmm. It's that shit that like gets my gets in my head and I'm just like, Oh god, I can't I can't do this to myself. It's too fucked up. I um, totally know what you mean. Yeah. <clears throat> um but I was thinking about, um, you know, since this is ostensibly a, a podcast about design or art, right. um, I was thinking about, you know, I, th- I think we can all agree how fucked up and awful cigarettes are. And like, it's just, you don't want to, you don't want to smoke. There's just really. Yeah. Just don't know, even get started. Yeah. Um, we're, I'm not a prude either. I'm not like, don't do drugs or drink or smoke. No, like, right. Do whatever you want <laughs> whatever you as want, long as that's... it's not hurting anybody. But like, just know that of the, of the picnic table laden with treats at the picnic of drugs and alcohol and substances in your life, cigarettes and like booze are pretty much the worst options yep. on the table. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you could do better. They're the yourself. most popular, right. but they're also the worst for you with the most negative consequences individually and for society as a whole. Yeah. So with that in mind, I was thinking about um, how we, <laughs> how, uh, cigarettes have this image that is just cool, right? Like they've been, yes! they've been like associated with being cool for so long oh, that it's yeah. this like collective unconscious, like, um, but I was thinking about how, because of the, I think that they most like cigarette ads and cigarette, cigarette smoking. Um, I think it more appeals to people who've at least smoked a few times. Like, I think you can smoke once and not really get it, but eventually you get to that place where you realize like what it means to hold a cigarette and smoke it and how it feels. Cause it just, like you were talking about, it completely changes your whole demeanor. It like calms you down. It gets you, um, you know, it changes your entire internal neurochemistry, like in moments. Um, yeah. 
And so you, like, you feel like, cool, right? Yes, totally. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. You're like, I'm not in a hurry. I'm going to let this hang out of my mouth with a scowl on my face because I'm fucking skeptical and unimpressed by everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, you inhabit that. You're like, yep. Yeah. Nothing is surprising. Everything is copacetic. And right. I am nonplussed. And so I think about like all of the, you know, of all of the things that um, advertising has has pushed forward into our lives like that's the one that they like it's just kind of in some ways like the epitome of like the evils of advertising right because it's yes! like it's this thing that's bad for you it's this thing that sells itself practically um and so everything you do about advertising is just to remind people of how great it feels and and so there is a lot of i think there's a lot of advertising that embody that it makes attempts to embody that feeling that, or the idea of what it means to smoke a cigarette. Um, And I just think it's really, it's kind of a really interesting thing to study from a sort of advertising point of view, because you think about like, like going back to maybe our generation, like the Marlboro man was like a big one, like this, you know, this fucking cowboy on a horse or like standing, leaning against a fence, smoking a cigarette. Like Mm -hmm. it's just like rough and rugged and wearing leather chaps and a big old hat. And like, you know, leathery face and smoking a cigarette and um yeah and there's something about like the way cigarette advertising works that it's like it just it just takes some image of like you know desirability right like either i want to be this person or i want to fuck this person like whatever it is like and then just being like well if you had a cigarette you could be here too like right it's this like intense fantasy like it's i wonder if they realized they couldn't have possibly known what it was doing to people's neurochemistry when they invented them right i mean like no i mean obviously tobacco has been around for a long time and then when they right, when they started manu- yeah years. and then when you like industrialize that and people are like oh i can sell this shit um right you know probably when they, yeah when they thought about marketing it i don't think anybody was like what is it doing to their dopamine or their serotonin or their norepinephrine so like i wonder i here's my question yeah when did the cigarette industry become aware of the neurochemical effects of cigarettes and what did they do about it from that point going forward that's what i want to know yeah well i would imagine that it was a lot sooner than we we think um you know, it was probably a lot more recently. You yeah, no, I mean like, more, more. Uh, sorry, a lot fr- long ago, longer ago. Long they ago. they figured it out pretty early, I imagine. I mean, they don't. You think about like in the eighties, um, you know, at the height of like advertising cigarettes to kids, like yes. you know, like Joe Camel, and like I mean, that's the one that pops out in my mind the most. Um, uh, me too, especially considering that it was like weirdly sexual. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the weirdness of it was not lost on me as a kid, but I didn't realize that Joe Campbell was just like a walking dick and balls until uh-huh. I was like old enough to smoke cigarettes, at which point the marketing wasn't really interesting to me because the whole concept of smoking underage was its own advertisement. Yep. Yep. So like it didn't matter 
Man, I we used to smoke fucking Lucky Strike unfiltered cigarettes when we were teenagers. Oh, harsh. Because we were like He-Man. Uh-huh. Our friend was like, you guys smoke those He-Man cigarettes. They were really harsh. I had to quit smoking them. Like, I never smoked as much as my friends did because it always made me feel shitty enough that yeah. I was like, nope. As soon as I would, I, I didn't push past that. Like, I didn't push through it like other people did. Right, And they right. just kept smoking. And and then they became like habitual smokers. And those were the ones that were like, I haven't had a cigarette in two hours. I'm going to freak out. And I'm like, really? And as I got older and older and older and had more and more and more experiences with lots and lots of different like people and things, um, I realized like, I don't think that I have a nicotine addiction. I don't think I ever have. I, I've been, I've smoked cigarettes mm-hmm. for over 20 years. Like since the first time I ever had a cigarette to today has been like, 25 years or something like that probably pretty close yeah but not at no point during that time was i ever motivated by a physical need to have a cigarette it was always a psychological habitual i would i mean i in my observations of your your smoking habits which generally i'm always like i don't think you want to do that um and you you're generally like kind of in agreement so i haven't seen you smoke a lot of cigarettes but the few times i've seen you like like bust through the barrier of like not doing it and like breaking down and doing it it's been definitely a much more psychological reaction like you're looking to like totally you're looking to modify um or alter your state of mind like in a particular situation um yeah. yeah, and the the physical repercussions of that are this sort of pesky after effect that I have to deal with, and it quickly right. becomes not worth it. Right, right, yeah. When I when uh when we were working on that project and it was really stressful, the I got to a point where I would smoke the same cigarette three or four times before there was no more cigarette gone. Like uh-huh. I would, I just wanted like a little bit of the dopamine rush to get through the next whatever was happening. Uh-huh. And so it was like, I just want to smoke like two or three hits off the cigarette, put it out, save it and uh-huh. take it back out for later. And so right, I had right. like, um, <laughs> I mean, man, I, I always ended up smoking the American spirit cigarettes too, because you feel less shitty after smoking those than any of the other ones. And so they are also the most expensive cigarettes by far. I think a pack of them is like $12 now. And when I first started smoking cigarettes, a pack of cigarettes was at $1.83. Yep. Yep. I remember that. And then it went up to $2.11. Yeah. And after that, I don't remember because everyone we knew was like, the day that cigarettes go over $3 a pack, I'm quitting. And Uh none of them did. None of them did. Yeah. So I kind of appreciate the fact that a pack of cigarettes is like $12 because I treat them like I treat a glass of wine or like weed or like whatever, whatever else. Like if you're, well, not weed necessarily, but ingesting a substance, right? So in the same way that like if I order a martini, it's going to cost 10 bucks whether I finish it or not. Right. Right. Like you pay for it up front. And so a pack of cigarettes for me was like, well, it doesn't matter that I only want half of one cigarette. I'm going to pay $12 for the opportunity to have a cigarette. Right. Right. And I'm just that's what it's going to be. So for me, like it was also kind of finan- a financial deterrent because I was like, well, I'm not going to. I try really, really, really hard not to bum them off of other people. And yeah. Andy and, and oh well, yeah, because Andy and Sue Young rolled me one, so I smoked one just a little while ago. But it was like, 
uh, sort of a non-event because it was at the end of the night and I was like, can I have one of those? So anyway, um, <clears throat> Andy, Andy and Sue Young gave me one a little while ago. And prior to that, I don't remember. I didn't even remember that being the last time that I had one because mm. it's like such a non-issue at this point. Right, right. Um, but like uh, I, I've always been okay with the fact that there's sort of this overwhelming cost financial cost up front to smoking cigarettes because it's such a deterrent it's like do you really want that cigarette bad enough to pay 12 fucking dollars for it right and sometimes the answer is yes and i'm like that was the best 12 dollars i've ever spent who would like the other 19 of these cigarettes right. <laughs> like you can have them i don't need them i just wanted the one uh-huh. and i just wanted it to be painful enough that i stopped at the one yeah i i there's definitely um as i've gotten older i've encountered very different people like people have very different approaches to cigarettes like how they mm-hmm. how they have a habit or don't have a habit um like i've known people who they smoke every once in a while and so they have a pack of cigarettes that's just like stashed somewhere in their ki- like in the cookie jar in the kitchen you know what i mean yes, like, yes. and it's like every once in a while like <laughs> on a like a late weekend like after a couple glasses of wine like one of those comes out and like they sit yep. on the porch and smoke the cigarette um yep. that's where i and matt except i don't even keep a pack in the house anywhere in a cookie jar anywhere right, else like right. i just don't even have them i think i think for me like i probably would have progressed to that point except that i watched a couple of friends die from cigarette related cancers and the one friend, my friend Storm, who passed away, like that was really rough to watch her, like basically, um, you know, dying of lung cancer in her home on her bed with, you know, like barely able to breathe and then like waking up and then desperately smoking another cigarette that's like killing her and then like, you know, laying in misery on the bed again. Like, yeah, just, I was like, that is just the worst. Um, and I think. Yeah, so just watching that, I was like, I, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I can't have that be part of. Like, I w- there's lots of other painful ways to die. This is not going to be my way. Um, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, I a friend. Well, I was, I was kind of back on the wagon of like smoking a couple of couple few summers ago. Yeah, because um, I was so stressed out, and then our, a mutual friend of ours had a heart attack, and I was like, oh fuck. So now you're definitely quitting smoking, right? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I'll do it with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this right. is as good a reason as any to be like, no, I'm I'm just, I don't know. Like, it's difficult on one hand because it's so easy for me not to smoke uh-huh. that having a cigarette is not like a monumental, measurable failure or a regression on my part. It's like, right. eh. And I mean, I knew that, so I take birth control pills and you can't, those raise your risk for blood clots and stroke and cardiovascular issues. And I'm fine. My blood pressure is fine. Everything's always been fine with me. But like they tell you, I mean, you can take, you can take birth control pills for a lot longer than you can reasonably smoke cigarettes. Uh And the benefits of the latter are like far outweighed by the benefits of the former. And so... Um, when cigarettes and smoking become incompatible is when you are an older person like I am now and um, your risk of smoking compounds your risk of blood clot and stroke from the pill and then they're like, hey, we're kicking you off the pill. And I was like, I'm never having that fucking conversation. Right. So around about the time that I turned 30, I basically quit smoking. 
And up till the age of 35, I hadn't smoked any cigarettes really for years. Yeah. Um, and then I got really sick with a, a brain infection and I had an MRI. I had several MRIs as a result of that and a battery of tests and spinal taps and all kinds of things. And the distinction at the end of all of that was, well, we don't really know what's wrong with you, but it's not cancer and it's not part related to like cardiovascular or stroke. And so we've got a neurological problem that we can't solve, but it's none of these other really concerning things, all of which overlap with cigarette smoking. And I was like, I would like a cigarette, please. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I got the test results, I was like, I'm not dying of it and I don't have any weaknesses in my blood vessels and there looks I'm not at risk for a stroke so I'm having that fucking cigarette now <laughs> because you there's something really wrong with me uh -huh. and no one can figure out what so anyway but it's not smoking and having a cigarette is not going to kill me and so it was like I think that cigarette when I was like 35 years old it was yeah. five years ago that I had that wow. cigarette um, was maybe the best cigarette I've ever had in my whole life. I can, I I was can like, see how that would work, yeah. Yeah, I'm not dying of brain cancer. Right, I'm not right. going to die of cancer anytime soon. I don't even have the start of cancer as far as anyone can tell. Yeah. I don't have any problems with stroke or cardiovascular issues, and my lungs are great. So there's effectively no real immediate reason why I can't have <laughs> this fucking cigarette right now. <laughs> and I did, and it was great. Get in my body. Get out of my body. But like uh, after that, uh -huh. I mean, yeah, as like a stress management tool, it only works just so well to like get rid of the immediate stress you're under with the injection of dopamine. But then that is quickly balanced out by the long term stress that you face worrying like, is this the cigarette that's going to push me over into lung cancer? Uh, right. How about this cigarette? Is yeah. it this cigarette that's going to do it? And then you start worrying about like the future and that causes the type of stress that a cigarette will not solve <laughs> right right it really won't <laughs> so it's like this weird like on a graph uh -huh. i kind of see it as this parabolic like measurement of happiness or benefit where there's like a valley and the very bottom of the valley is where the the risks associated with the the issues and the stress associated with not having a cigarette are balanced out by the stresses caused by having a cigarette. And either way you go in either direction, you're going uphill in the wrong direction. Right. <laughs> like, right. I don't know how to describe that, what I'm seeing in my head, but yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. It, well, a it's little like to a the left or right. It's a local, it's it's a local minimum, right? Like it's yes. sort of like, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So funny. Um, well, how do you feel about like unusual cigarettes? For example, like Nat Sherman mint cigarettes or clove cigarettes or like cigarettes that are not just um, like straight James Dean burn your lungs out cigarettes. Well, I mean, uh, when I was smoking, those were always pretty fun. Like I had friends who smoked smoked cloves a lot. Um, mm -hmm. People who smoked cloves were people who were um, – who basically I felt like were deluding themselves into thinking they weren't smokers because they would yes they would smoke cloves like because they're like well you can't smell them I'm like I can, you can like like they didn't <laughs> smell like cigarettes right so like if you smelled like cloves then you were covering that I'm like who are, who are you fooling like these have been around yeah. for ages you're not fooling your parents you're certainly no not way. fooling like the adults in your life um you smell like <laughs> clove cigarettes like it's it's a super distinctive smell um yeah so, like the first the first thing i think of when i smell that smell is like are you smoking clove cigarettes <laughs> right right yeah um so 
and then I think for a little while I used to smoke Parliaments, which have that like yes. recess filter. Um, I enjoyed that. I don't know why. Like I just the feeling. I like, like those. I, yeah, I liked those. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I think I also smoked. So we also smoked like Camel Filterless, right? Um, yeah. Which were kind of like the Lucky Strikes. And those were hardcore. And I, there's something about, so like tobacco versus like pot. Like pot doesn't give you a lung hit the way tobacco does. No, no, um, no, no. And, and I think you can kind of get to a place where it's like you're kind of craving that. And so I see how people get sucked into like smoking like filterless cigarettes. Because mm-hmm. those ones hit you in the lungs like a fucking donkey. Like it's just like yeah. a, just, you know, just gnarly thud um every every <laughs> fucking you know every drag off of that cigarette's just like a punch in the lungs um and i kind of think of that like you know when people who um like people do all kinds of like self-excoriating or self-harming behaviors when they're under stress like yeah in the most obvious and like uh, destructive like people who cut themselves or like I have the thing where I pick endlessly at my cuticles and, yeah. and like if I accidentally peel one a little too far it might not stop me from continuing to do it right. so like right. I totally get that and in a, in a lot of ways like I feel like continuing to smoke even though you're like oh it's kicking me in the lungs is in the same way a sort of like self calming and self-harming behavior where it focuses whatever anxiety or pain you're feeling into a thing that you're on top of and managing and doing yourself and so it feels better than the alternative yeah yeah um yeah there's definitely yeah it's like it's like sort of like focusing your 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 sort of destruction right like it's something you're taking control of um yeah i can i can relate to that um, and I can definitely see how, like, especially around cigarettes, how that's something that you would or one would one would do. Um, yeah. Whenever I get to that point, I'm always like, okay, this is where I need to not smoke cigarettes for a while. Like, right. Um, and that's usually balled up with or like wrapped up in a, another stressful situation that in itself is not great for me and. I wouldn't be smoking unless I thought that that was one of the only things that was going to get me out of an otherwise uh, stuck situation. Like I can't speed this up. And so I'm just going to have to use a coping mechanism instead. Like there's this sort of mental triage I go through with my anxiety where I'm like, okay, how bad is this? And how long do I have to sit with this? And then I have like a menu or like a rubric of coping mechanisms for like matching appropriate levels of discomfort with an appropriate, appropriately destructive coping mechanism. (laughs) (laughs) We should like, I should chart this out sometime actually. Like I should write this down because I know I, I've never really conceptualized it like this in my head, but Uh this is definitely like, I'm seeing an image of it in my head now and I'm realizing like I could make a spreadsheet of this pretty easily. (laughs) You should definitely do that. Definitely do that. (laughs) 
making a note on my hand because I don't have my notebook in front of me. <laughs> emo rubric. Emo, emo rubric. <laughs> rubric. I'll have to show this to my neighbors who are like actual, like they're from a slightly younger generation than I am. They're uh-huh. they're mo- they're millennials for sure. Yeah. But they're like younger millennials. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, my brother's technically a millennial, but I think we were watching Rhett and Link the other day, and they were talking about the generation between X and millennials. Yeah. Of which, if that was a generation, I would absolutely be right in the right in the middle of. Like, like Damon, for instance, born in 1976, is yeah. solidly in Gen X. I am right. also solid, supposedly solidly in Gen X because I was born in the 1970s. Right. And 1980 was the cutoff for millennials, but. That doesn't really make sense culturally. Right. It doesn't it's, reflect. Yeah. Actually, there's a, um, we should maybe consider doing a podcast on this. There's a whole chapter or a section in that book, um, Reprogramming Your Wetware, that talks about um, the nature of, of generations and like, ah. and the and the sort of the four archetypes that they get categorized into. Um, okay. Which, which so... So in that case, like, it's like, you know, the the idea of these generate, like naming a generation and putting them in an archetype is um, more, it, it it's obviously like a construct, right? Like, it's not real. Like, there's nothing about yeah. you versus me versus someone who's born 10 years later that... Um, that inherently makes you of a, you know, like having like a certain sort of um, stereotype about you. Right. There's, but, but the idea is that there's these sort of archetypes and, and I think it's strongly tied to like America, like U S culture more than Mm -hmm. any other country. Um, I think, I think that's right because it's not, it's, it's sort of like the generation, the, the things that it's really related to if I remember correctly is more about, um, like culturally, like what's going on around you, and yes. these four archetypes seem to reflect what could be observed as like a um, as sort of a cycle. And so, like you know, if one generation is sort of um, you know of a of a kind, then that usually tends to breed or create a, a following on generation that dips in another way, and then it sort of yeah. And so the they. It's an interesting chapter. We should definitely like read it and do do it proper justice. Um, uh, I have it written on my hand. Fantastic, yeah. Because <laughs> um, that generation, it's it's fascinating to me. Um, it's also infuriating, right? Because I like a lot of people. You know, for instance, having those hard cutoffs is not really the thing. It's like it's more about just being like you know. Um, you know, and people are like, well, I don't really identify with this generation. I'm definitely more of a millennial or I'm not or whatever. And, and, or I'm more of a Gen X or I'm a Gen Z or what do we have now? We have the, um, alpha, I think. Alpha or something. Yeah. Yeah. They're into like. And so the thing about these generations is they're actually only of four types. Um, Uh and the naming of them is just to distinguish like, Oh, which, which cycle were you in? Um, Right. And I, I think uh, like Gen X is like, you know, if you go back four cycles, then then that generation and like the um, the baby boomer generation is um, analogous to whatever came for. Yeah. So baby it. boomer is analogous to analogous to. Um, so go forward three. So Gen X millennials and then Z Gen Z. So Gen yep. Z and baby boomers are 
of of a type, right? Like they're yeah. they're going to have similar characteristics according to this theory. Um, right. Anyway, let's uh, we sh- we should definitely look at that. It's so I feel like this is a short that's going long. We're into thirty five minutes. Um, oh. Yeah. Right. Should we should we pause and pick up on a different episode? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking we should do that definitely. Um, Yay! All right, don't smoke cigarettes, kids. Yeah, seriously, don't. You're. you're I mean, uh, here's the thing too: if you never try them, I guarantee you, you will not miss them. A hundred percent. There is nothing. It's not like there are way better drugs. There's way better experiences. There are. There's nothing about them. It's like the trivial amount of pleasure. Like, like eat a fucking ice cream cone and like get sugar high again. Like that yeah. is way better. Um, you know, I mean, it's its own problems, but again, um, <laughs> every diabetic out there right yeah, now is like, shut up, man. <laughs> there's nothing about cigarettes that are, you know, it, yeah, it's just, it's just a stupid, stupid trap. Um, yeah, they're not irreplaceable. You can get the same experience or like the same benefit from so many other things that aren't going to like make you die because you can't breathe anymore. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. God, so terrible. Yeah, so terrible. Okay, well, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks.